Excellent. Okay. Okay. Um, so we want to um, pray, and they're not here to hear me, but we have teachers teaching our kids, and we are so thankful for all of those teachers. They are doing worship in their rooms today uh, because you, you guys just, man, y'all just keep popping them off. Y'all just keep having kids, and there was just like not room anymore. And uh, so awesome job having those little ones. They were doing worship in their rooms today. Uh, hope that worked out. Next week, uh, parents, we are going to uh, mix things up a little bit. Um, our, we've, we've had three, uh, three rooms going during service, and uh, so we're going to mix the ages up a little bit just to get them more spread out. We're going to add a fourth class, so there will be a nursery, a uh, two- and three-year-old room, uh, five- and six-year-old room, and then a seven- and eight-year-old room. And so that will uh, that'll get those numbers uh, much more manageable. And as always, man, if y'all, I don't know if you've had conversation with our, our girls that are, are in the nursery, but we have some baby whispers in there. They are phenomenal with, with little ones. It is, it is amazing. So it's just like, I don't know. If you, I, it, when y'all go in there, you need to meet our girl. We call her Duda. She's from South America. I have no idea what that means. But she has this way with babies that's like incredible. So anyway, so thankful for them because I know that they can hear me. Their, their speaker is on. So uh, Duda, Anna, we love y'all. All right. Uh, thank y'all so much for being with us. Uh, hopefully some people are tuning in online, to, uh, online today. But I'm amazed that you guys are here. Labor Day weekend and you were like, you know what? Let's go, let's go worship the Lord this morning. So I applaud you. Well done. You are here, and I know many of your stories, and Labor Day weekend, uh, you're just going to bed a few years ago, and it's like, wow, how life has changed, and I hope that you have that story, that you say, when I follow the teachings of Jesus, it brings life to me, and I want to help bring life to you today. We're going to study some scripture, and just as last week, we went through scripture and then sort of applied that to the guys, uh, hopefully for encouragement in your life. This week, we will study scripture that will apply to everyone, but our conversation will lean toward you ladies. So, uh, so we're just going to go through scripture so that my opinion is, is not, not, not necessarily in it. And I love that you value my opinion. I get that question all the time. Hey, pastor, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? And, and that's, man, that's, that's great. If we're friends, I'll tell you my opinion. Uh, but really the question should be, what does the Bible say about? Like, that's what we should really care about. So that, that's sort of, uh, you know, that's, that's the approach that we are taking. Now, I want to start in the beginning. We're going to start with Adam and Eve and, and just look at the condition of humanity and how that will help you today. So let's do that after we pray. Father, we love you. Holy Spirit, we invite you to speak to us, Lord. We need you so much. And uh, just be with us, Lord. God, refresh us. Thank you for the rain. And I pray now that you will let it rain on our spirit. Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so to catch you up, uh, Adam and Eve are placed in the garden. And they are uh, given everything, and there are two trees. And uh, these two trees are mentioned as being very special 
And one is the tree of life, which they are allowed to consume. They're allowed to eat. They're allowed to partake. The other is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which they are not allowed to partake. And so they essentially have this choice, like you can have the tree of life, life from God into you, or you can have the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which means I want the wisdom to make the decisions on my own. I want to, I want to play God for morality, for myself, for my own decisions. And we have that choice. You can choose to follow God, or you can choose to be your own God, in essence, right? And so we know that Adam and Eve uh, chose to be their own God. They chose to take matters into their own hands, and then God is, is angry, obviously. He's given them this, and he wants to be apart from sin because God is holy, okay? Uh, holy means separate from sin, above sin. Uh, the opposite of holy is not bad. The opposite of holy is common. See, God is not common. He is above what is common. And so uh, now there is this separation uh, with men. But we have this statement. I want to hone in on what God tells because God, uh, God addresses Satan. He addresses the serpent. He addresses woman, and he addresses man, okay? And so I want to talk about his address to woman. He says, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 16, which will be on the screen. Nobody expected you to have the Bible memorized when you walked in here, okay? You may not even own one. That's, you're in the right place. It's okay. Uh, as you exit today, there will be a, a Bible, which is a library of 66 books. The first 39 are the Old Testament, telling the, the, the story of God creating the world, choosing a people, just like the stories we're talking about today, promising that one day through them, someone will come to save us from ourselves, and that is Jesus. So when Jesus comes, that's the new Testament, okay? So uh, Genesis 3.16, he said to the woman, I will intensify your labor pains. You will bear children with painful effort. Your desire will be for your husband, yet he will rule over you. Your desire will be for your husband, yet he will rule over you. That's going to mean something maybe different to you when you leave today than it did when you walked in. We're going to get back to that scripture. But I want I want you to hold that scripture in your mind uh, because this is going to play out. This, this childbearing, and, and I believe it's more than just the literal process of birthing a child that uh, that is going to, to hurt. It's the entire relationship process. Uh, humanity is going to become such that Jerry Springer exists one day, you know? Uh, this is basically what we're, we're being told. So, uh, as that works out in Genesis, like every problem that you've ever had, every theme, every, every big question you've ever had, will go back to Genesis. And so what God says will then play out. And so a couple chapters later, we begin to see this, this what God has told Adam and Eve and the serpent, we begin to see it play out. I want to take you into this story. Now, I didn't expect you to be a Bible scholar, so the stories that I'm going to give you are ones that you've, actually, you've heard the names of these people. I'm going to elaborate on these stories and just kind of tell you what's going on, so don't tune me out because you're like, well, I haven't read the whole Bible. I, I totally understand that. Most, in fact, I assume... Most everyone, I'm going to say 95% of the people in this room have not read the entire Bible. So you're, you're okay. You're in the right place. Don't tune me out. But maybe a story that you have heard about a man named Abraham, right? And this is what, if you are a, uh, a, a modern-day Jew even, uh, these are what they call the patriarchs. These are the fathers of, of Judaism. And 
you have God giving a promise to Abraham. Abraham, through you I'm going to bring a great nation, and they are going to bless the earth, right? And those are what we know of today as the, the Jews. Or in the Bible at this period, we're going to call them the Hebrew people or the Israelites. The Jew comes later, okay? Because the tribe of Judah gets shortened to Jew, all right? Now, uh, so Abraham is going to start these people. So we have Abraham, and God says, I'm going to make a great nation through you. And he has Isaac, and through Isaac, I'm going to make a great nation through you. And Isaac has Jacob, and Jacob, through you, I'm going to make a great nation. And then Jacob, it gets wild, and he has 12 sons, and through them, we just explode, right? And that's what we know of, and so those are our patriarchs. And so everybody knows the story, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But that's only half the story. But because behind every jacked up, messed up man is a confused and frustrated you are like, I ain't going to say it. <laughs> Woman. So there is a matriarchal like, view of the story, and I want to walk you through that because it's extremely important, and it tells us about ourselves, okay? Uh, so Abraham has Isaac. Isaac has Jacob. But Ab- with Abraham, he has a wife, and his, her name is Sarah. Now, these are the English translations of these names, Okay. Uh, and Isaac has Rebecca, and Jacob has <laughs> a harem, okay? It gets wild. Now, uh, I want to bring you into Abraham and Sarah. Now, uh, initially, until God really brings something special to them, they are Abram and Sarah. Again, English. Those are English uh, translations or transliteration of, of what is a Hebrew name that I can't say because I, my mouth is too dry to produce that much phlegm, okay? Um, but there's a promise made to Abraham and Sarah. So it's not just Abraham. It's Abraham and Sarah. And they're supposed to be a great nation that comes through Abraham and Sarah. And so you're like, hey, God has spoken to Abraham they're going to just walk in faith, and they're going to believe that these things are going to happen, and, and that's going to be that. Abraham's story is the story of a man chosen by and loved by God who sins a lot, and in spite of himself, God uses him. Sarah's story is the story of a woman who is chosen by God, and in spite of her many sins and manipulations, God chooses to use her, okay? Uh, so they're not perfect people, but they are chosen and blessed, and God says, I'm going to use you in spite of yourself. Is this relatable? Thank you. Now, they know that God is going to bring something through them, but there's a problem. Genesis Chapter 16, verse 1 through 6. I'll read the first few verses for you. Abram's wife, Sarai, had not borne any children for him. But she owned an Egyptian slave named Hagar. Sarai said to Abram, Since the Lord has prevented me from bearing children, go to my slave. Perhaps through her I can build a family. Sarai, you know that's not okay. And she does. 
She does know that's not okay. It's not, uh, there are some things that we read in Genesis, and we just read two things, like first, okay, polygamy? What? Is that okay? No, they're going to engage in sin here. This is not something that God has commanded them to do. They are waiting, because here's the part you don't know. She's in her 90s, okay? So she's like, listen, <laughs> I've been patient. It ain't going to happen. If it hasn't happened by now, it's not going to happen. And so she takes matters into her own hands, and she tries to fulfill God's promise in her own way. Theme. Dun, dun, dun. Okay? And this is what we do. God, I know you're there. I know you have good plans. But this is how we're going to do it. <laughs> You know all that stuff that you said was sin? I just don't see any way around it. We're going to go for it. Now, in her defense, she's 90. I mean, she has, she has a good practical argument here. But, first off, there was another word in there that's kind of a buzzword, and you're like, what? These are God's chosen people, and they had a what? Hagar, her now, first of all, you are from the U.S., and so when I say slave, you think about the atrocity of slavery that we did. In the ancient times, it wasn't this. I'm not saying it was great, okay? But it wasn't the same thing, all right? It was, it was, it was, it was very different from what you know of as slavery. Not saying it was wonderful. Uh, in fact, I will say that she never should have had the slave to begin with. They picked up the slave in Egypt where Abraham was doing things he should not have done. And this is where they picked up this Egyptian slave named Hagar. Okay? So really, you would call this more of like a handmaiden than a slave. But regardless, here we are. Now the question is, can she sin with a slave they never should have owned, giving her to her husband who never should have had her, can they do it this way and God still bless it? And that's the question we ask from age of seven. <laughs> God, I know I'm not supposed to, but are you cool with it? If I, it makes a lot more sense to do this way. It would save a lot of money to do it this way. It just, just whatever. And we begin to justify these things. And we're like... I. I can't throw rocks at her because she's 90. She's 90. I understand the conundrum. But God promised. Listen to 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, verse 21. For you were called to this because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Now, there's, a, there's an example being set, and there are, there are teachings being made in the life of Abraham and Sarah, but your example is Jesus, okay? The, he did not commit sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth, and still got the result he wanted. God is not worried about whether or not you will make to the finish line. He's worried about whether or not you will be obedient on the way to the finish line. 
He's got the goal. He's got the destiny. He's got all of that bagged up. He just wants you to follow. And he almost never picks a straight route. <laughs> you know? You feel that? Like, I'm, God, I'm glad God has brought me to this place because I've learned a lot of things. And Would you do it again? No! <laughs> no! Anything else! Please, Lord! I'm so glad I've been through the experience. Never! never want to do that again. So had we known, let's, let's just face it, if I could go back in time and tell you your story of how you were sitting here today, you'd be like, mm-mm, don't sign me up for that. But you needed it. Well, I mean, let's face it. There's some stuff we got into. <laughs> Do we need that? Well, we did it. Maybe we've learned. Okay, here we go. Oh, I'm, I'm going to finish this. He himself bore our sin in his body on the tree, so that having died to sin, we may live for righteousness. So, uh, don't try to produce godliness by means of sin. Don't try to, to plant sin seeds and then harvest righteousness, is what I'm saying. And this is what Sarah and Abraham are trying to do. Ladies, I'm just trying to say, like, if you have to sin to keep him, let him go. Did y'all hear that? My amen section over here. Y'all can join in on that if you want. All right. Now, picking back up in uh, verse 2. And Abraham agreed to what Sarah said. This sounds a lot like the Adam and Eve story. Okay, yeah, she initiated it. But Adam was like, okay. <laughs> Abraham agreed to what Sarah, just trying to make peace with the old lady. <laughs> so Abraham's wife, Sarah, took Hagar, her Egyptian slave, and gave her to her husband, Abram, as a wife for him. So she's, you, know, you see what I'm saying? Like this is a massive elevation for Hagar. This happened for Abram. Uh, this happened after Abraham had lived in the land of Canaan ten years. He slept with Hagar, and she became pregnant. When she saw that she was pregnant, her mistress became contemptible to her. Oh, who's the bad guy now? And that, that's one of the weirdest things about raising kids is they always want to know who's the bad guy. You know? And, like, if you're watching a Western from the 1940s or something, there's a clear-cut good guy and bad guy. But in life... Or even modern movies, it's like, well, who's the bad guy? <laughs> Everyone, son. Everyone. Because we want old school Batman, and we want, there's a good guy, there's a bad guy, the good guy shoots the bad guy, but if that happens, we're all dead. Sarah was doing something she shouldn't have done. She tried to sin, right? So does this make her the good or the bad guy? Well, <laughs> it just makes her, makes her a gal. And then Hagar, who's just kind of like innocent in all of this, I bet she didn't sign up to be sold to Abraham and Sarah. Now she becomes pregnant, and now she starts looking down on Sarah. We have no clue 
how Sarah treated her before. It could have been good, could have been bad. We don't know. We're not given that. We just know that now she's looking down on Sarah. Then Sarah said to Abram, you're responsible for my suffering. <laughs> like nothing's changed, right? He's like, what? What's your idea? I shouldn't have said that. But like, I get it. Okay. So Abraham's wife, Sarah, took Hagar, the Egyptian slave, gave it to her husband, Abraham, as a wife for him. This happened after Abraham, where was I? When she saw that she was pregnant, her mistress became contemptible. Verse 5, I was there. I should have just looked at the screen, huh? Then Sarah said to Abram, you are responsible for my suffering. I put my slave in your arms. And when she saw that she was pregnant, I became contemptible to her. May the Lord judge between me and you. I just can't get over how funny that is. It's your idea. Abram replied to Sarah, Here, your slave is in your power. Do whatever you want with her. Then Sarah mistreated her so much that she ran away from her. And so we have Hagar and Sarah. I don't, I don't want to, this to sound silly, sort of fighting over this man growing contempt over one another when the idea was that this was going to be this symbiotic relationship. I can't bear children, so I'm going to let you fill that place, and God's going to bless it, and this is going to happen. They took things into their own hands, and they had a son, and his name was Ishmael. So Ishmael is Hagar's son, Sarah's still barren. One day, the Lord comes to Sarah, says she's going to have a child. She laughs. And then she gets pregnant. She has a child, and everyone is rejoicing. Except for now, we have a war. So Ishmael has, uh, uh, Hagar has given birth to Ishmael, and Sarah has given birth to um, a son named Isaac. And Isaac is, is being made fun of by Ishmael. Ishmael is treating Isaac poorly. And Hagar is treating Sarah poorly, and, and Sarah is treating Hagar poorly, and it just becomes bad. And I'm going to tell you, these two boys are still at war today. And why? Because we tried to play God. Here's the New Testament's take on what happened. Uh, Galatians chapter 4, verse 21 through 31. Now that you know the story of these two boys, tell me, you who want to be under the law, don't you hear the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave and the other by a free woman. But the one by the slave was born as a result of the flesh, while the one by the free woman was born through promise. Born of the flesh, born of us, us playing God. These things are being taken figuratively, Okay. These are being taken figuratively. Keep that in mind as we read, because this gets serious. For the woman represents two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai and bears children into slavery. This is Hagar. One is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, Hagar represents Mount Sinai and Arabia and corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free, and she is our mother. The other is the tree of life. 
For it is written, Rejoice, childless woman, unable to give birth, burst into song and shout. You who are not in labor, for the children of the desolate woman will be many, but new, uh, will be many more numerous than those of the woman who has a husband. Now, you too, brothers and sisters, like Isaac, are children of promise. But just as then the child born as a result of the flesh persecuted the one born as a result of the Spirit, so also now. But what does the Scripture say? Drive out the slave and her son, for the son of the slave will never be a co-heir with the son of the free woman. Remember, this was symbolic. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we are not children of a slave, but of the free woman. What does that mean? It means choose the tree of life over the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It means choose to hold on to the promises of God even when you're 90 years old and you still haven't seen them rather than trying to take matters into your own hands. It means follow God in obedience all of your days because He has the results worked out. He wanted this to happen when Sarah was old or, or Sarah was delaying the fulfillment of the promise by taking matters into her own hands and God had to sit there and let it play out before he could then step in. Either way, we are to be patient and receive what God has rather than try to play God. And so the question is, which one will you choose? Will you choose the new covenant? Will you choose what Jesus has brought to you, has promised to you, has given you as an inheritance if you will believe in him? Or will you try it your own way? And that comes in many forms. Just like I said earlier, I, the, pa the pastor, what do you think about this? What, do you, what is your opinion on this? What does it matter? What does the Bible say about that? Because that is the tree of life. That is where wisdom comes from. And so when we begin to disregard that and start thinking, well, what do you think? Well, what do you think? I'm going to post it on social media and see what everybody thinks. What does it matter? Because humanity is always going to tend towards trying to play God. We're always going to tilt towards taking, matter into our, uh, taking matters into our own hands because either we are growing impatient with the promises of God or we don't like the route He has chosen for us to get there. And so we try to play God. Creating pain. This is the story of humanity. We play God. We mess up. We create pain. What are you rushing into because you won't wait on God? What are you rushing into because you're being impatient with God? I, I say this in an encouraging way. This is, this, this is never, this is always to fight for you, not to fight against you, okay? So if you are in turmoil and you are God, what is going on? My brothers and sisters, let me encourage you, be patient. God will fulfill his promises. And if we will get out of the way and stop trying to take matters into our own hands, it will create space for the miraculous to happen. So, another way to ask it is, where are you trying to usurp God? Where are you trying to dethrone God? 
in what area have you maybe said, God, I believe in you, but I don't like this part. As you can be king except for this area. I'm now governor of this. <laughs> you can have all the other land, but this is now my jurisdiction. I have taken this. And it won't be blessed, and it causes Christians to be very frustrated. In fact, I didn't know if I was going to talk about this or not. Um, in, in Scripture, can go back to Genesis 3, back there on the computer. So sorry, don't hate me. I know you're just a volunteer back there. Like, I don't have to put up with this. I'm a volunteer. Uh, Genesis 3.16, listen to this. He said to the woman, I will... Uh, it's going to be the first scripture that I used. He said to the woman, I will intensify your labor pains. You will bear children with painful effort. Listen to this part. Your desire will be for your husband, yet he will rule over you. What does that mean, your desire will be for your husband? That same phrase is used in chapter 4 of Genesis when uh, Cain and Abel come onto the scene. And you all know the story where Cain kills Abel. And God goes to Cain and says, sin desires to control you. It's the same phrase used here. Your desire will be for your husband. Sin's desire was to control Cain, just like Eve's desire would be to control her husband. Now, let me ask you, ultimately, who is your husband? Who is my husband? I don't know, this gets weird, right? Remember, marriage is a symbol. A man and woman are a symbol of a relationship between church and God. But as a people, I am the bride of Christ. And so as a bride, my desire is to control my husband. Our desire as a people is to rule over God in a way. We want him to make some tweaks. Want him to make some changes, do a little backseat driving on Jesus. Why are you turning this way? This is going to take so much longer. Right? And so uh, this is the curse, so to speak. This is what happens when humanity is left to ourselves. We begin to give God suggestion, not knowing that his way is better than our way. And when we put ourselves in these situations, we get hurt. And you guys know this because we say it all the time. Hurt people hurt people, right? Hurt people hurt people from, a, from an elemental level. When I raise up, I'm telling you right now, you ever left the cabinet upper open and then you get something from down low and then you raise up and I just want to hurt someone. I don't know why. It's in my nature to want someone to hurt as bad in that moment as I do. And so in my brilliance, I'm like, I choose myself again. So I punch something, break my hand, and I double hurt. Okay? Hurt people hurt people. How many people in this, in this situation would Abraham, Hagar, Sarah, Ishmael, Esau, not Esau, Isaac, how many of them got hurt? 
by this choice, by trying to usurp God, by trying to take matters into their own hands? And the answer is, all of them. How many people have you hurt? Nay, how many people have hurt you by taking God's decisions into their own hands? Let's explore that for a minute. You've been hurt because someone else tried to play God. Someone else tried to take God's decisions into their own hands. Someone else has perverted their masculinity. Ladies, I'm talking to you. Most all women in this room over the age of nine have been hurt because a man perverted the strength that God gave him to serve. And now, and now you suffer from that. And now, hatred was introduced. And here's your struggle. You're saying, don't, don't, don't do it, Pastor. Don't tell me that I need to forgive. Hold on. You struggle with forgiveness. But I don't think anyone is really voicing this. Allow me to voice this for you. Maybe you can say this. Maybe you can speak this out loud, and it will bring you freedom. You know you need to forgive, but what you won't admit is the person that you think that you need to forgive is God because he allowed something to happen to you. You won't say it out loud. But if I may, for just a moment, God is not a man. God is not a woman. God is not a human. God is God. God is God, and it is for freedom that He set us free, and He allowed us to make decisions, and we suffer from other people's decisions, and I don't fully understand why He did things the way He did it, but I trust that He did it because it was ultimately for your good. And we cannot sit here and talk about any other reality that could exist that would be better for you because you don't know. And you can tell me your story, and we can sit down and cry together, and I maybe this side of heaven could never tell you why that happened to you. But God's view on this story is not your view on this story. The human characteristics that you are attributing to God as if He were a man do not belong to Him. He has never perverted His power. We have. It's hard to wrap your mind around evil existing. I get that. In a philosophical state, I can give you a great explanation as long as we're talking about ancient times. But when it's us, I don't get it. Let me just pause right there. If you could get it, then you would understand God. 
And guess what you can do with things that you can understand? You can recreate what you can understand. Right? If you can understand it, you can recreate it. You will not, this side of heaven, understand God in fullness. But there are some things that you can understand about Him that we have not given Him credit for, all the while assigning Him credit for things that have been bad. God doesn't need your forgiveness. He needs your embrace. Because as long as you are holding God in, in contempt, you are staying away from the one who wants to hold you through your pain. He isn't the mean man who won't hold you, who won't embrace you, who didn't care. This is what Jesus says in Matthew 23, 37. This is, this is after he's performed all these miraculous deeds. And this is Palm Sunday. And they're, they're, they're like, the king is here. And they wanted a different kind of king. And he knows it, man. He knows that they have no idea what he's coming in to do and what he's going to do for them. And he knows most of them will reject him. And he looks up at Jerusalem and he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. We as Jerusalem hold God in contempt rather than hiding under his wings. See, your house is left to you desolate, for I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes. In the name of the Lord. He was rejected by the ones he came to nurture. And we're not doing any better. God wants to nurture you. Hold. Embrace. Protect. To have you. And we reject him because we have assigned things to him. That he wants to save us from. How do I know that? He wanted to save you so badly that he left his throne. The hero comes to Gotham and dies for the villain. He left his throne and he came here so that he could pay for your sin, so that he could hold you, so that sin would no longer separate you from him, so that whatever you have to walk through while we are in this temporary place as ambassadors, while we are on this camping trip called humanity and earth, so that he could hold you in that place. He died for you. That's how bad he wanted this. And then he waits. And as a perfect gentleman, attribute, gentleman, not that he's a man, gentleman, he doesn't force himself on you, he waits. And we can choose, just like Adam and Eve, we can choose the tree of life, or we can choose the tree of knowledge and good and evil. But instead we're waiting for God to explain himself. Then we will follow. You've got notes. Write down Romans chapter 9 if you want to research that. 
you can go and do that on your own time. Uh, I want the worship team to come up as I am closing. There's a solution available to our own humanity. And there are stories of that solution all through this place. We have women that could stand up like, like popcorn jumping up, testifying about the goodness of God and how when they embraced God, He held them, He pulled them through. He wasn't the one who did this, He was the one who saved me, right? And you could tell other women, He is not to blame for our problems, He is to be praised as our solution. And I praise God for that, that we still serve a God who answers prayers. Galatians 5.16 I say then, live by the Spirit and you will certainly not carry out the desires of the flesh. The desire of your flesh is to usurp God, is to rule over your husband. The desire of the flesh is to take matters into my own hands. Christian, I want to encourage you today, be patient, wait on God. I didn't say be lazy. I didn't say don't pursue God. I, don't say, I didn't say that you don't need to be uh, reading your Bible, that you don't need to be on your knees in prayer, that you don't need to, 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 to cry, to take a trip and go through rocks at the heaven and say, speak to me. I didn't say don't pursue God. I'm saying don't take matters into your own hands. Be relieved. Be relieved that it's not up to you. I say then, live by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. And that is the desire of our flesh, is to sin against our God who loves us. So, Christian, especially ladies, there is a God who is for you. And He looks at you just as He looked at Jerusalem, and He said, Oh, ranger, ranger, how I have longed to tuck you under my wings like a mother hen tucks her chicks. That's what he desires for you, is for you to walk by the Spirit and walk in his. So I'm going to be healthy and wealthy and wise and nothing else will ever happen. No, it'll happen, but it'll happen with somebody there holding your hand. Walk by the Spirit and we won't give in to the flesh. So how do I do that? I'm glad you asked. Four things that I want you to do. Don't throw anything at me. I want you to read your Bible, pray, go to church, and be the church. And you will learn to walk with the Spirit. Father, we praise you that you are so good. God, my heart breaks for sin. I know that right now, in this world, there are atrocities probably happening at this moment that just I, I can't rectify. I don't understand. But I know that you came to provide a solution. Help us, God. Help us to understand all that you want us to see and to be your hands and feet and be part of that solution, Father. God, help us to be addicted to life change and to serve you. And God, I pray for those who have decisions to make or have, or, or, or have even tried to take matters into their own hands, God, that you would comfort them that you are in control. I thank you, God. Thank you. 
thinking that you will let us have Isaac in our 90s, so to speak. And we praise you because you're good. It's in Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen. Worship team's going to play another song. Baskets are going to come forward uh, as, as Christians. That's part of our worship is tied an offering. But also, you got a connection card. You uh, maybe filled in something to join a life group, do a little uh, studying and, and, and make some friends. Please drop that into your baskets as they come around. Stand in worship with us.